0: welcome to episode 277 the professional book nerd podcast presented by overdrive this is jill hi adam i'm
1: you, you didn't ask me how i'm doing i am like goofed hello jill <laughs> oh my goodness hello jill <laughs> now do it ask me how i am how are you i'm great how are you <laughs> hi adam i'm great thanks for asking oh boy we just had like a twenty-minute Broadway conversation. I'm in a really good. We did have a twenty-minute
0: Broadway conversation. We are also recording this moments before Oof. it goes up. <laughs> on. Sorry,
1: guys. Okay, listen. This is going up a little bit later than normal. Still on Thursday, but it's our November books. So we'll get into what that means in a minute. But um, our office didn't have power on Monday, so we all, everyone in our company, worked from home, and then just throughout the whole week, and. Despite what people might think, this is not our job. this is like what we do secondarily. <laughs> so we both had a ton of stuff to do in all these meetings. So yesterday I just like sent Jill a message. I was like, I don't know. um, we gonna record it last thing <laughs> or Thursday morning. yeah so. also we're doing third November books, and it's like a several days before November, so none of these books are available yet anyway, so
0: but that's pretty standard.
1: I know I'm just saying like it's not like anyone was waiting oh, to go borrow this, these books I right away. Sane. And place holds on them, but yeah. Um, Okay, so do you want to talk about what we were doing, what we're going to do, what's happening? happening?
0: So as our longtime listeners know, our monthly books episode is where Adam and I um, go through the list of books coming out next month and pick some that we want to feature and highlight um, as ones we're looking forward to. Normally, mm-hmm. we do not share our lists with each other and go back and forth. This one, um, November is quite kind of a quiet month for publishing, so we just we did look at our lists in advance, just to make sure we didn't have too much overlap because we wanted to make sure we gave you a um, as much of a range of books as possible. Yeah,
1: it, I was joking with Joe before we started recording. Um, publishers have they they bust their butts all year long, obviously, but their end of year schedule is pretty awesome um they there's not a ton going on in november and then like right before the holidays there's a bunch of new releases that come out but then like if you know anyone in the publishing world it's very much like talking to a teacher like they get basically the last 2 or 3 weeks of the year just off and most of them are in new york city
0: they also get like summer hours like you know, like yeah,
1: they do get yeah, they get awesome summer hours, and then they get this like this end of the year vacation, where it, like reminds me of Christmas vacation with uh, Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase, and everyone were like, there's off for several weeks," and and because they're in New York City, they're gallivanting in New York City during Christmas time. It's like a
0: gallivanting. Thank you.
1: It's like a Pogues song. Um, I'm in a very holiday brain as well. I'm ready. Um,
0: we still have to get through Halloween. Okay, I know.
1: Look, I'm sorry. Don't
0: I'm... do. Don't do that. Halloween is the best. So. I know.
1: It's a great... I'm not complaining in my, holiday, in my ho- holiday costume. My Halloween costume arrived yesterday, so I'm very excited about that. I, can, I know why I'm in the holiday season. though it's because I read a book that I would like to um, to stump speech for, for like two minutes, if sure. you'll, if you'll sure. indulge me. Because we don't have a ton of books for November we're going to talk about, but here's one you can go get right now. If you follow us on Twitter, you at uh, ProBookNerds, you may have seen me tweeting about this last night. So there's this book called Lillian Boxfish Takes a Walk. It's by Kathleen Rooney. I listened to the audiobook, and I did the equivalent of reading it in one sitting. It's an audiobook that's um, like nine hours long, and I listened to it basically straight through with only like minor stops. But, like I didn't take headphones out of my ears until it was done. Um, it is about this eighty-four-year-old woman named Lillian Boxfish who lives in New York City, and she was the most successful ad writer, like in the woman, most successful woman in advertising throughout her early life she worked for macy's and she worked for macy's in like the middle of the century when writing advertising was very like actually worked like you would see an ad advertisement in a paper and it would be well thought out and it would be incredibly well written and there would be beautiful pictures in them and it would get people to go like to macy's or gimbals is the other one that was from miracle on 34th street and get people to buy stuff um so She's since obviously retired. She's 84, and she's now living in New York City by herself, and her traditional new, York, or new, new Year's Eve day is to go to a restaurant, this Italian restaurant that she's gone to for decades, have dinner at like 5 o'clock, and then be back at her house and just relaxing with her cat, and that's her normal New Year's Eve. So she finds herself early on in the book talking to her son, who and like while she's doing it, she's mindlessly eating Oreos and she doesn't even know why. She gets off the phone and she's like angry at herself. She's like, "Why am I eating? Why did I do this? I'm about to go to dinner." So she gets to the restaurant and she's not hungry and she has a glass of wine with the owner who she likes a lot. And the owner basically tells her like, "I'm closing the restaurant and I'm moving and you know nothing can last." And she had walked to the restaurant and she gets inspired. She's like, "You know what? I'm gonna keep walking." And so the entire book is her walking around New York City on New on New Year's Eve. Going to a couple different places, like she goes to a bar and she goes to a party and she goes to Delmonico's to get a, a steak. And in between all those things, she's telling the story of her life. And it's so good and it hits you right in the nostalgia. <laughs> and it's like everything you could possibly want from a book about New Year's Eve, like looking back on your your year or in her aspect, looking back on her life. And she does it, The Kathleen Rooney, the author, does it in such a way where it's like, she's looking back and she's not looking back like sad, but it's more like melancholy where she's looking back on everything that she's done and she's like, yep, that happened and now it's done and I don't regret anything, but I also know that I don't have a lot of life left. And like, it's like, she's not, again, she's like not sad, but it's just like so like looking back and I am, when it comes to the holidays, I'm very much like an old timey, like listening to Rat Pack music and, you know, like sitting by a fire with a, with a glass of whiskey and like just reminiscing about days of yore and all that stuff so it's just such a such a good book I believe it came out last year um it was a bestseller but yeah it's called Lillian boxfish takes a walk so if you guys want something to listen to or read literally I it was so good it gave me such a book hangover I finished it while I was walking my dogs yesterday and it's a little bit chilly here and I was walking my dogs like literally crying just walking around the neighborhood, so I'm sure I looked super normal, and I had like tears freezing on my that's face. Great. Yeah. That's great. Okay, that is a book that's available right now. That's Lily and Boxfish Takes a Walk. Now, we can get into November books. I think we both have six.
0: No, I had five. Oh, am I adding the other one on? Yeah. Okay. Then yes, we have six. just want to lead with that one because yeah, we'll she with doesn't.
1: That one. She doesn't need our promotion of it, but we might <laughs> it. As well does not talk need our it. promotion, All but.
0: Right. Michelle Obama has a book coming out in November. Call be coming. That's all you need to know.
1: Yeah, it's a memoir, right? I, I assume. So. Yeah. And it's also, I assume, she probably narrates the audiobook. That I don't know. I'm gonna assume she does. So get the audiobook. Yeah, that's. I'm also super on board for that. And like I said, I don't think, I don't think Michelle needs our promotion. Are you looking at the audiobook right now?
0: No, she actually is going on tour. Not coming near us, though. Rude.
1: She's, Michelle? Yeah, she's
0: coming, like, around us, like, two hours away. Pittsburgh? Uh, Detroit. Detroit. She is going to Philly.
1: That's not close to here. I know. It's a long drive. I
0: know it's not. Not. I'm just saying for Pennsylvania. For Pennsylvania <laughs> listeners, she will be in Philly.
1: <laughs> Sass. <laughs> Um, All right. My first one is called Empress of All Seasons by Emiko Jean. Uh, And I'm just going to read the description of this for you. In a palace of illusions, nothing is what it seems. Each generation a competition is held to find the next Empress of Hanoko. The rules are simple. Survive the palace's enchanted seasonal rooms. Conquer winter, spring, summer, and fall. Marry the prince and all are eligible to compete. All except the yakai, which are supernatural monsters and spirits whom the human emperor is determined to enslave and destroy. So Mari has spent her entire life just uh, training to become the Empress and winning should be easy for her. She has everything she needs to to accomplish this. Uh, But she finds out that she has a dangerous secret. She's a yakai with the ability to transform into a terrifying monster. If discovered, her life will be forfeit as she struggles to keep her true identity hidden. Her fate collides with Taro, the prince who has no desire to inherit the Imperial throne, and Akira, a half-human, half yakai outcast. Torn between the duty and love, loyalty and betrayal, vengeance and forgiveness, the choices of Mari, Taro, and Akira will decide the fate of Hanuku in this beautifully written edge of your seat YA fantasy.
0: I just put it on hold.
1: Yeah. I Like I said, So I always feel bad when we're basically just reading you really long descriptions, but that one I wanted to get the, I'm actually going to do that a few times, I think.
0: Did not say this in the beginning. However... Um, we will have a list of all of the books uh, with links in the show notes, so you do not have to be furiously trying to write, especially if you're listening in your car. Don't do that. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, don't don't do that. Don't do that at so all. There will please.
0: be a list in the show notes of all of the books we're talking about today. Yes, there will. So my first one is Hazard of t- Hazards of Time Travel by Joyce Carol Oates. This surprised even me because I believe I have talked on the podcast have. before about how I'm actually not a Joyce Carol Oates fan. Um, I usually do not like her writing, but this description is enough to at least convince me to give it a try. So time travel and its hazards are made literal in this astonishing new novel in which a recklessly idealistic girl dares to test the perimeters of her tightly controlled future world and is punished by being sent back in time to a region of North America, (laughs) Uh, Wayne, Scotia, Wisconsin, that existed 80 years before the drift in time in this idyllic Midwestern town. She is set upon a course of rehabilitation, but cannot resist falling in love with a fellow exile and questioning the constraints of the Wayne Scotia world with results that are, are both devastating and liberating. Sorry, that's, Joyce. That's, I'll give you a chance.
1: <laughs> Joyce, if you're listening, Joe's going to give you a chance. We know you're listening, Joyce. All Seriously, right.
0: I've tried like a million of her books. I just can't get into them, but this one. This
1: one does sound really good. Um, My next one is called Heirs of the Founders by H.W. Brands. It's the epic rivalry of Henry Clay, John Calhoun, and Daniel Webster, the second generation of American giants. So this is nonfiction. It's a biography of these three incredibly important people who a lot, I think a lot of Americans don't know about. So Henry Clay, Daniel Webster, and John Calhoun are kind of like the second tier of founding fathers, um, so everyone obviously knows all about the founding, founder, founding fathers and we've talked ad nauseum about our love for Hamilton and, and how it's rising in popularity. But after their generation, there was another generation of American founders who obviously they took over this country that was war torn and they had, it was brand new and they were trying to battle for the presidency and all this stuff. And so it's these people who helped continue to shape America and um, they fought with remedying the constitution in the sense that there's like two really big parts of the constitution that they were unsure of. And one was like where authority ultimately rests. Like, is it with the States? Is it with the national government and all that? And then also the incompatibility of like, Hey, we're a free Republic, but also we have slavery, which is problematic. So um, this is just the story of how the three of them kind of, Respectfully battled all their entire lives, and how they continued to help um, shape and form the country after you know George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and and that initial wave of founding fathers that everyone knows about and reads about um, when they're in high school. Uh, so these are kind of this is the next coming of people. So that's heirs of the founders.
0: I almost put that on my list, but I did not. <laughs> my next one is my sister, the serial killer by. Oinken Braithwaith. Braithwaite. Um, so this is about two Nigerian women, um, Corid and her sister Ayula. Um, and Ayula is many things. She's the favorite child, the beautiful one. She's also possibly sociopathic. And now her third boyfriend is dead. So um, this is about um, Corid and her being her sister's saving grace. She knows how the Clean the best solutions for cleaning blood the trunk of her car is big enough for a body (laughs) (laughs) and she keeps um aula from posting pictures of her dinner to instagram when she should be mourning her quote-unquote missing boyfriend so now koreat has um she's been in love with a kind handsome doctor at the hospital where she works and she has like this major crush on him and then he asks for her sister's phone number she has to decide um, you know, hey, I have a sister who is a serial killer and kills off people, but am I willing to protect her, you know, and not out her to this guy that I like and who likes her. So um, it's getting a lot of good buzz, and I'm, I'm really excited for it. I
1: feel like I've seen a lot of our other bookish friends on like Twitter talking about that book, too. It yeah. sounds really interesting.
0: So That's my sister, the serial killer.
1: Uh, my next one is called The Museum of Mysteries by Steve Barry and MJ Rose. Uh, so, this is a book about the, the main character's name is Cassiopeia Vitt, which I love the name Cassiopeia. Um, we actually had a, a former co worker here. Her name was Cassie, and that was her name was short for Cassiopeia. Awesome. amazing. Uh huh, yeah. Um, I miss her. She was wonderful. She moved to Austin, Texas to have fun life in that weird happens. Austin. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, <laughs> that she she's not in this book. Uh, <laughs> the Museum of Mysteries. It's basically like a French, like, version of National Treasure, the um, the Nick Cage movies, which were shockingly good. Uh, but in the French mountain village of Ease, Cassiopeia visits an old friend who owns and operates a fabled Museum of Mysteries, which is a secretive place. Um, but a robbery then occurs at the museum, and Cassiopeia chases the thief and then is plunged into this, like, crazy mix of intrigue and ancient alchemy and trying to figure out what happened. So, um, yeah, it just seems like a really fun kind of, like, mystery type of a... I said it reminded me of, like, National Treasure or, like, um, Night at the Museum kind of a mix-up sort of a thing. So I'm excited. Uh, the Museum of Mysteries is that one.
0: My next one is Fire and Blood, 300 Years Before Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin. Sadly, George has not gifted us yet with... <laughs>
1: I feel like he's trolling everyone at this point.
0: I have a lot of theories about what's happening. Anyway, um, however, he does have a new um, book coming out that's partially probably why we don't have the next one. Yeah. But this is sort of um, takes place centuries before the events of A Game of Thrones, and it's all about House Targaryen, which, of course, is um, Danny's house. So... I love fake histories. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> it is not cr- fake. Yeah. I mean,
0: but like histories of um
1: a thing he created. He's yeah. he has hundreds of years of history. Yeah, I yeah, no, so I gotcha.
0: That's all about this. Um and so if you are a Game of Thrones fan and not mad at George R.R. Martin. <laughs> you can read Fire and Blood and learn all about House Targaryen and the dragons.
1: Um since we don't have a ton of books to talk about, I would love to hear your theories on why George R.R. Martin hasn't provided other than the fact that I think he's written himself into a corner and doesn't know how to get himself out.
0: I think um I think one he is waiting I think there's a couple things. One he's waiting for the show to be over, but
1: he's two books behind the end of the
0: show. Sure. So he can just do whatever he wants then. Ah. So he's waiting for the show to be over. Um my husband Ben's theory is that he's actually waiting until he has the next two books written because he does not want this to to fall into the same trap, right? So because there's um, we're waiting on winds of winter and they're supposed to be um, dreaming of spring or dreams of spring is supposed to be the, the last two books. Um, and so Ben's theory is that he's waiting until both of them are done before turning them in so that they're already finished Mm. both of them which i'm like
1: so just sending his publishers like 2200 pages
0: or just but i mean like you know he's already stuck in this place where they're waiting on one like nobody wants to have to like have that eventually come out and then 10 more years down the road we're still waiting for the last one yeah so if he's just waiting until everything's done um I, he also, honestly, may have just been like, I'm just not going to write it. And he doesn't know how to tell anybody that. That would be kind of hilarious. Letting, and is letting the TV show do the work for him.
1: That would be kind of hilarious. I
0: think it could be somewhere in there.
1: That would be a bummer. Um, also, if you're a person who is on social media, stop doing the whole, like, tweeting at him being like, write it before you die thing, because that's real not cool. Don't do that. That's a bummer. I...
0: Yeah, I
1: I dislike when people do that.
0: I dislike when people put pressure on writers. Just give it up, people. Yeah. Just, I know it's frustrating. I get it. I read it. I read, you know, this series. I am waiting on The Name of the Wind, the third one. You know, like, I get it, but they don't owe you anything. Let it go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jill's right. Um, okay, my next November book, which is available this month, uh, it's called Vida Nostra by Sergei and Marina Dayachenko, Uh which I think I nailed. So this is an English translation of an internationally best-selling Russian novel. So like I could have stopped right there and I would have read it. Because Pretty much. Because me loves some Russian literature. <clears throat> This is a brilliant dark fantasy combining psychological suspense, enchantment, and terror that make us consider human existence in a fresh and provocative way. Um, okay, I'm gonna, sorry, stay with me here in a moment. I wanna describe this book and I wanna describe it the way that we describe it. So, while on holiday at a beach with her mother, Sasha Somenkina meets the mysterious Ferit Koznik, sorry, Kozennikov under the most peculiar circumstances. The teenager. Uh, The teenage girl is powerless to refuse when this strange and unusual man with a sinister air directs her to perform strange and uncomfortable tasks. He rewards her efforts with strange golden coins, and as the day progresses, she carries out other acts for him, receives more coins, and then as the summer ends, her now domineering mentor directs her to move to a remote village and use her coins to enter this institute for special technologies. So she enters this really strange school, and she's doing all of these like taking all these classes and trying to read all these books and remember all the lessons, but it's all like none of it's making sense, and she oh. doesn't understand what's going on, and none of it is accurate until all, one day, it just kind of, it all clicks, and um, she basically goes through and like becomes. It's not clear if she becomes like this assassin for them or if she's like a mage of some kind. Um, but anytime someone fails at the school. There's a lot of pressure because their families pay the price. They don't, like, they aren't punished. Their families are. So it just sounds really, really interesting. It's called Vita Nostra, um, and it's available in English for the first time. So I'm very excited to read it.
0: My next one is Girls of Paper and Fire by Natasha Negan. I don't think that's correct. But um, anyway, in this uh, richly developed fantasy, Lee is a member of the paper case, the lowest and most persecuted class of people in um, Akira. She lives in a remote village with her father, where the decade-old trauma of watching her mother snatched by royal guards for an unknown fate still haunts her. Now the guards are back, and this time it's Lee they are after. The girl with the golden eyes, whose rumored beauty has piqued the king's interest. Over weeks of training in the opulent but oppressive palace, Lee and her eight other And eight other girls learn the skills and charms that befit a king's consort. There she does the unthinkable. She falls in love. Her forbidden romance becomes enmeshed with an explosive plot that threatens her world's entire way of life. Lee, still the wide-eyed country girl at heart, must decide how far she's willing to go for justice and revenge.
1: That sounds super good.
0: Yeah, I know. Awesome. That's girls of paper and fire.
1: My next one is um, Queer Eye, Love Yourself, Love Your Life. It's by the Queer Eye guys.
0: I did see that as well.
1: Yeah, okay. So if you guys aren't watching Queer Eye on Netflix, I don't know what you're doing because it's the absolute best show. My wife and I, we we like slowly watch them. We'll like watch like one a weekend or like one or two a weekend. Um, every single time we start crying. And it's like in the best way possible. It's just because these – Five guys who are all gay. They just have like the best outlook on life, and that their entire purpose, much like it was with the first queer for the trick, like their entire purpose isn't to like just make over a guy. It's to help them like better appreciate themselves and like respect themselves. And so this book, while it is absolutely loaded with like a helpful like tips for grooming and home decor and and you know all that kind of stuff it's more so about like learning to love you yourself and um creating a happy and and healthy life for yourself so it's like it's just i don't know they they just they're like this perfect combination of like all the things that my wife cares about which is like you know like the health like the the beauty tips and like the home decor and all that stuff but then it's also like all that stuff that i honestly don't really care about but just like their outlook on life and the how happy they are to help other people and they're just like five perfect humans they're, they're fun so when i saw that a, a self-help book coming out i was like yes please so that's queer eye love yourself love your life
0: my next one is how long till black future month by nk Jemis- jemison jemisin she is of course the like three-time hugo award-winning author of <laughs> um, <laughs> amazing
1: uh, and friend of the show and
0: friend of the show that is right nk has been on the show Um, So this is a new collection, actually the first collection she's ever written of short stories. Um, Dragons and hateful spirits haunt the flooded streets of New Orleans in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. In a parallel universe, a utopian society watches our world trying to learn from our mistakes a black mother in the Jim Crow South must save her daughter from a fae offering impossible promises. And the Hugo Award-nominated short story, The City Born Great, A Young Street Kid Fights to Give Birth to an Old Metropolis' Soul. So, short stories. N.K. Jemison. God, I love her. Science fiction. She's
1: so wonderful. She is. Everything about her rules. You should, if you haven't had a chance, go back and watch. Just Google it. Her um, Her latest Hugo Award-winning speech. Because she, it's just basically her just, like, waving a middle finger at every, like, idiot in the world. And it's so good, and I love it so much. Oh. Hi, NK. You're the best. <laughs> Nora, you roll. Um, my last one is called Thanks a Thousand by A.J. Jacobs. Um, I know that I have talked about A.J. Jacobs in the I, past. Oh, And I was like,
0: no, nah, Adam's going to put this I on my list. I would have list. been <laughs> very
1: mad if you put it on your list. I'd be like, no, I'm talking about it. Um, so A.J. Jacobs has written a whole bunch of books – um, that are super unique. He is one, his recent one is called It's All Relative. The one that I read way back when I was in grad school was called The Year of Living Biblically. Um, he basically gets an idea and goes on this really just – he always goes on these random experiments. So, like, The Year of Living Biblically is he lived an entire year, like, specifically from the absurd rules in the Old Testament of the Bible and all sorts of stuff like that. So, um I've talked about this in the past, but his books were super inspiring to me. It was actually the reason I got back into like reading when I was in graduate school. And then it kind of led me to a path to working at Overdrive. So I have since read him, wrote him an email and said, thank you for all that. But Thanks a Thousand is a gratitude journey. So he wakes up one day and he gets a cup of coffee and he realizes that there's a crazy amount of people that were involved in making this cup of coffee. So he decides to say thank you to every single one of them. And so he goes on this, tour to introduce himself to and thank the farmers the chemists the artists the truckers the mechanics like everyone you can imagine that goes into making up a, a cup of coffee like you probably don't think about the fact that like everyone always is like oh yeah there's obviously farmers who have coffee farms and all that stuff and there's baristas and but what about the person like manufactures the steel that goes into the coffee press that ground his coffee, like all these different things. And he goes through and he thanks every single one of them. And he said that it's basically like, it was very meditative for him to get to do these, have these interactions. So I don't know where he gets these ideas. And also God bless him for having been like accomplished enough to go to a publisher and say, send me all around the world for this cup of coffee. So. I'm excited to read it. It's called Thanks, A Thousand. And it's by A.J. Jacobs, who's the best.
0: So my last one is called Pulp by Robin Tally. In 1955, 18-year-old Janet Jones keeps this love she shares with her best friend Maria secret. It's not easy being gay in Washington, D.C. in the age of McCarthyism. But when she discovers a series of books about women falling in love with other women, it awakens something in Janet. As she struggles, as she juggles a romance, she must keep hidden... And a newfound ambition to write and publish her own story, she risks exposing herself and Marie to Jane All Too Real. 62 years later, Abby Cohen can't stop thinking about her senior project and its subject, classic 1950s lesbian pulp fiction. Between the pages of her favorite book, the stresses of Abby's own life are lost to the fictional hopes, desires, and tragedies of the characters she's reading about. She feels especially connected to one author— a woman who wrote under the pseudonym Marion Love and becomes determined to track down and discover her true identity. Um, So when I was in uh, undergrad, I took a um, gay and lesbian fiction class, and we read a lot of pulp and talked about pulp as a genre of fiction from the 1950s and 1960s, I'm so excited for this. It's YA, I believe, as well, which is also really awesome.
1: Yeah, this is on both of our lists, and this was one of those where I was like, yep, Jill's. Jill, you talk about this one it's more. Apropos- it sounds so good. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm
0: excited. Yeah.
1: All right. So those are 12. Is that what we decided? I think so. 12 book, just books for you to check out throughout November. Um, and also the Lillian Boxfish takes a walk. <laughs> go, go read that now. Uh, if there's books that you're excited about that we missed, feel free to shoot us an email at professionalbooknerds.overdrive.com or find us on Twitter or Instagram at ProBookNerds um you can visit our website professionalbookners.com, and you can join our viber community there um also just randomly not having anything to do with our viber community but viber recently launched this really cool new thing that we get to be beta tests for called shorts and they're doing this um if you look it up i think it'll be coming out to the big world soon um it's basically short stories told through, like, these little text messages that you get in Viber. And it's super cool, and they're super creepy. Um, and it's a really unique and fun way to read uh, read stories. So check out Viber shorts if, you, if you're not a part of our uh, community. If you want to look at them right now, you can go to our Viber community. Uh, we have a, a beta test for everyone that's involved. So, yeah. Anything else you would like to talk about that I missed or that we haven't talked about yet? I don't think so. Do you want to recreate our 20-minute Broadway conversation? Not not really. All right, fine, whatever. Okay, well, I hope you guys enjoy all of our November picks on this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast.
0: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.